0: Praise God. I'm doing part two. Uh, There will probably be at least a third part. I don't know how many parts. Because I wanted to deal with the religious aspect of what's going on because it's interesting. Uh, The Bible talks about this whore of Babylon and so forth and the religious aspect of the beast empire, uh, which he destroys at the very end of the tribulation period because he wants all worship to go to himself. But he uses it and he's used by it. And I was going to get into that today, but there were some questions uh, by a couple of brothers after the last service I gave, and they wanted more depth on what kind of stuff we had talked about already regarding, uh, you know, uh, Russia, uh, the Middle East, and so forth. As and and I'm going to tie that in. That was going to be part two, but I want to deal more with the geographical Gog and Magog a little bit today. I want to deal a little bit more with uh, the visions that uh, the dreams and visions that were given to Nebuchadnezzar and uh, Daniel regarding the end times and the Antichrist and this whole thing that's going on, and a little more, you know, adding on to last message. So I wanna get into that a little more, try to bring some more clarity. Um, it's, it's important to look at the different viewpoints because, you know, I've said all along that we are careful not to play uh, Colorado. Welcome. Arizona, Arizona. okay, oh, I'm thinking of your sister. Oh, boom. Arizona. Well, welcome. Praise God. Nice to finally meet you. I'm supposed to meet with you, talk with you, and hang out with you after service sometimes. So look forward to that. Praise God. Good to see you, Hannah. Uh, sorry for all the viewers who are like, who's who, you know? Uh, <laughs> but uh, just want to encourage you guys that we've been very careful not to play pin the tail on the Antichrist. We've never said this is the Antichrist. There's too many guys with an uh, egg on their face through the centuries that have done that. You gotta be really careful. But at the same time, God has given us the light of his word so we'd be able to a- have an understanding of where things are headed, amen? So I like to look at what it says, and then when people arise and you know, uh, dictators arise, even nations arise, you have to say, okay, wow, it looks like they could fit into this, but let's see if the whole puzzle continues to converge together, amen? Because these puzzle pieces can shift sometimes as well, right? So it's very, it's very important to be very, very careful, I want to be. If, if those of you who know me, uh, all my brothers and sisters, you've known me for decades now. So many of you here, amen. Family and everything else they have. Uh, you know, I'm a, a very sincere person. You know, I'm genuine. I'm. I am who I am, right? And uh, no one that know, We know each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a, such a, a joy and a love and a peace. At the same time, I always say you have to test everything, amen. You have to test me as well, amen. You can't put your guard down and say, well, Pastor Joe says this, so this is what's going to happen. Whoa, do not say that. You need to be able to say, thus saith the Lord, amen? This is what the scriptures say, because the Lord says it. And some things can be somewhat ambiguous until they're fulfilled, amen? Remember, the Jews were looking for a conquering Messiah, and the Bible specifically talks about this conquering Messiah. And Jesus is the conquering Messiah, but his first coming didn't come to conquer the world, amen? Came to die for the world. So we have to also be open and humble and say, well, in that way, by the way, by doing that, you don't just all of a sudden freak out. Oh, it didn't happen exactly how I thought it would happen. You're like, hey, it looks like it could be this, and it looks like this is how it's happening. And there's certain things we know will happen for sure that we can say, this is what the scriptures say, and I can look for this for sure, and God hasn't kept, kept me in the dark here so I can understand what's going to happen. So we'll talk about some things that are sure-fire deals. Okay? We'll talk about some other things that, hmm, it looks like it could pad out this way. It looks like this may be happening, but hey, puzzle pieces can move a little bit. So we got to be very, very wise. Uh, So first I want to talk about the bigger picture. And when I talk about the bigger picture, a lot of the church has the big picture off. They're just off on the big picture. Amen. Good to see everybody, man. I'm seeing all these people I just love. Uh, I miss you guys. I was out of town for a few days and I just missed you guys. And I was at the Kovars and uh, three generations of Kovars and it was just beautiful spending time with them. And seeing just the beauty of what the Lord's doing in their families, just tears at times, just rejoicing with them. God is so good up in Arizona for a few days, Um, but it's really good to be back to among my brothers and sisters here. But I want to encourage you guys, uh, when we look at the big picture, the church is so off in so many areas, so I want to spend at least the first 10, 15 minutes talking about the big picture, uh, because we have a ton of viewers, you know, uh, around the world, actually, and there's always new people tuning in. And there's so many people, praise God, that they'll check out what the word says because they've accepted what the Bible says regarding prophecy. Uh, they've kind of inherited their theology. They've inherited their eschatology. Well, I was taught that Jesus is going to come and rapture me any moment, you know. And, uh, and then we don't have to be concerned about tribulation. And so you have those who think, wow, we're going to escape. We're going to we have to face the antichrist you know, that's for Israel to go through another Holocaust. And, you know, church, you know, Jesus wouldn't let let us go through that, but he wants to really hammer Israel, you know. Uh, And then they go and get into our, the scriptures with us, and we've got Left Behind or Led Astray, a huge documentary where we flew across the world, interviewed people, and we looked at what the scripture says in history of that doctrine. And they're like, wow, you look at the scripture, it's real clear. The only church thought we're going through it, the scriptures are clear we're going to face it. And they they become very, very grateful by the grace of God for this ministry in, in a lot of regards, hopefully. But in that regard, they're grateful for God's truth. Wow, wow the Lord's given us a heads up. We're headed to that, that period of time. Others, uh, you know, they feel like, hey, you know what? There's no rapture. We get that a lot. We say, no, First Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 18, there's clearly believers are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Amen? You can't deny that. Others, oh, Israel's not even God's prophetic plan. You know, God's done with Israel. The church has replaced Israel. Replacement theology. No. And that's, no, amen, James. No. <laughs> that's a serious false doctrine. Amen. The church has not replaced Israel. Okay. Uh, God is not done with Israel. Jesus said to the Jews who rejected him, you won't see me again until you say what? Bless is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But they will see him again. Amen. amen. And godly, ungodliness will be turned from Jacob. Amen. And all Israel shall be saved. Thus saith Romans 11. So we will go to scripture. Amen. And uh, so others, you know, so there's so many things that are off when it comes to the big picture. Others are like, well, we are, you know, in the millennium right now. We're in the thousand year reign of Christ right now. But, uh, well, doesn't Jesus stand on the Mount of Olives to inaugurate his kingdom? Right? Doesn't <laughs> every eye shall see him and they also which appears to him, Amen. And the Mount of Olives splits in two, right? (laughs) Big earthquake, you know? And the tribulation events take place, right? Before the millennium starts, read Revelation chapter 6 through chapter 19, right? Got the tribulation, then the thousand-year reign of Christ. Others teach what's called... So we we are post-trib, and that's what the early church taught. You didn't have any pre-trib until the 1800s. So we believe what the early church taught, which happened to be scriptural, Post-trib, meaning that the second coming is after the tribulation period of Christ. And that's when the Lord comes to rescue us and set up his kingdom, amen? Amen. But we also believe that he sets up his kingdom and he comes before the millennium. Millennium. After the tribulation, after that three and a half years of great tribulation, but before the thousand year reign, amen? Amen. So it's post-trib, his coming is post-trib, after the tribulation, pre-millennial, amen? Well, if you get these things messed up, it can be incredibly dangerous. In my debate with Dr. Stoffer in Colorado, which we put on our website on, online, you can see how people reacted to that debate, okay? It was very, very positive because we had the scriptural viewpoint. I gave at the end of that debate, if you can get to part six, you know, they asked, hey, what's the ramifications if, if the other person's belief is wrong? And I gave a bunch of different quotes from Christian leaders, for instance, and just Christians in general that, well, if Jesus doesn't come and rescue us before the tribulation, lets us go through that, it's not the blessed hope. It's the blessed hope. He's, they're basically saying he's let us down. And I quoted people where they're saying, you know, that, that God would be a hateful God if he lets us go through those, the tribulation period. But they all believe that if they're going to get raptured first, there's all hundreds of millions, perhaps, Christians, the tribulation states come that like, go through it. Has God got to hate them? They'll say, oh, no. Well, why is it if you go through it? It's just if you go through it, he's got to hate? Just is so incongruent. So, not, you know, un- Just not even logical, you know. So we believe it's post-trib, but before the millennium. We're pre-millennial. The early church, by the way, was pre-millennial. Read Justin Martyr, you know, read Irenaeus, the church father's post-trib, pre-millennial. And we don't go by what the church fathers say, but it's nice to know that the earliest Christians understood the scripture the way you see the scripture as a secondary witness Bit, not an authoritative witness, but it's just kind of cool. It's like, wow. Yeah, amen. And That's what we see through Scripture, and that's what we're talking about. You'll get Scripture, it comes before the millennium. It's just right there off the page of Scripture, amen? Now, why these things matter. If you're post-millennial, and that's had a huge rise right now, then you believe that Jesus Christ doesn't come back until the world has become Christianized and the church is ruling for a thousand years. Does it look like that's happened anytime soon? By the way, you know. I remember uh, when Reagan became president, and and then not long after that, you had a lot of Reconstructionists, a lot of Calvinists that were saying, "Look," and even before that, but you had Rush Dooney and others, top Calvinists, Reconstructionists. The church is going to dominate the world with legislation. We're going to legislate morality and so forth, and they talked about you know having homosexuals and stuff put to death and all these things, and they're going to rule the world, you know? And then you had the kingdom dominionists. They're all alive and well today. That you're going to, we're going to take the kingdom for Jesus. We're going to take the reins of government. The, the uh, Reconstructionists, the Calvinists are more like, well, we're going to do it through legislating morality and getting the right people in office and dominionists in office that are going to want to rule the world. Where the kingdom now, people uh, were more charismatic we're going to do it through using supernatural powers, you know. You can just point your finger and melt the tank you know, or whatever, you know. We do it miraculously. And, and then you have these Calvinists and these charismatics, the, 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 the Reconstructionists, the Calvinists, and then the Kingdom Now people on the charismatic side uh, making strange bedfellows because they disagree with each other so much theologically, but they've, in certain ways, they join together to bring in this whole dominion mandate. And the church has become incredibly political. Have you seen that recently? I've had so many people say, man, I'm, you know, under this pastor or going here, the the pastor's just become so political. You don't go through the scripture and and, and go and read the scripture and get into the word of God, but it's all become so political now, and I can't handle another week of it. It's just politics, politics, politics. And I'm like, amen, you know. You got to talk about what's going on out there to a degree, right? But we're not running for office, right? (laughs) We're spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, and the world needs that good news more than ever right now, amen? What Jesus did for us by dying for our sins and rising uh, from the dead and, and conquering the grave. And you don't read about the church taking over politically in the world, do you? That's not our commission. So right now, uh, if you have a post-millennial viewpoint, your idea for many post mills is that we're gonna set up Christ's kingdom without the king here. And we're gonna present it to him when he comes. Jesus said, if my kingdom was of this world... My, my, my what? <laughs> my kingdom is not this world, he said. If it was, my servants would fight, amen? He told that to Pilate. He could have 12 legions of angels come and rescue him, but that wasn't God's plan. God's plan was for him to die for us, amen? So everybody could be saved. And then he, he has us as ambassadors, amen? As ambassadors, we represent the king in a foreign world. We are not citizens. We're we citizens of heaven, amen? But we are not of this world, Amen? Bible says that, Jesus said that over and over again. We're out of this world. And when does the kingdom of this world become the kingdom of Christ? When he comes back, when he comes back at his second coming. You can read a snapshot of his second coming in Revelation 11, 15. And, the king, and it says the nations were enraged and his wrath came, amen? And it talks about how he began his reign. And the, kingdoms of this world became, the kingdom of this world became the kingdom of Christ, amen? That happens at his coming, Well, now you have, a a lot of post mills have this viewpoint. Well, not just all post mills, but a lot of them are preterists. And a lot of them, you know, are post mills and have different viewpoints who push what's called the seven mountain mandate, right? Because they're not looking for Christ to come back until after they've taken over the seven mountains. The mountains is a military. You know, the political theater, uh, politics, education. Arts, right? Business. And the church is ruling all of those. Huh. Does that look like that's happening? No. Do you think the world would stand by and just let that happen and let a few Christians run everything? Yes or no? Run Hollywood. Do you think that would happen? Well no, we're gonna Christianize the world. So many people are gonna become Christians. Ah, Jesus said, narrow is the great gate, right? Straight is the way, and few are those who find it. But the way of destruction, Jesus says, is broad, right? And many go that way. So, no, the, the predominant amount of people on the planet, according to Jesus, I'm going to go with thus saith the Lord, just saith Jesus, is, is few compared to the many that are truly following Jesus. And when you read the prophetic scriptures, the book of Revelation, does it show the church ruling before Christ comes back? Or does it so, show the church and believers being persecuted by Antichrist and Christ coming back at the end of the tribulation period to defeat the Antichrist and set up his kingdom? That's exactly what It shows. So, in the big picture, we can kind of, uh, and by the way, the seven mountain mandate, it's cross-denominational now. You know, a lot of it's coming out of, uh, uh, you know, Paula White. Paula White was, you may believe, the de facto leader of President Trump's uh, spiritual council. Uh, Seven mountain mandate person, okay? Church is going to take over. Uh, Bethel which is considered the greatest revival in the United States by many people it's not really a revival it's a revival of mixing Christianity with paganism uh, Bill Johnson wrote a book on the seven mountain mandate the, the uh, pastor there who's heading up this so-called revival where you get gold dust on your fingers oh where'd this come from must be supernatural or someone put it there and you just went like this you know <laughs> I don't read about gold dust being a sign of the you know well maybe a counterfeit sign I don't know, not, not biblical. And, it's, and tons of people are going there, and be, this is a revival, and they're talking. He wrote a book on the seven mountain mandate. And I want to get into that whole thing, but that's that other message, because it's really scary, because you see it line up with prophecy, but it lines up with the wrong prophecies. Because one of the leaders of the seven mountain mandate, no kidding, he says the church, the Bible mentions seven mountains that the heart sits on, the false church. He says, that's, a, he goes, we're gonna roll the seven mountains that's in Revelation 17, before Christ comes back. I'm like, really? i are on the wrong side then, because she's destroyed right before Christ comes back. No, you don't want to do that. And they're dragging their people into the whore of Babylon religion, which is the counterfeit of the bride of Christ. That's so where a lot of this is headed, folks. That's why you need to watch out for the leaven, leaven of the Sadducees who are political, the leaven of Herod who used religion as a tool Ooh, I'm giving my next message away a little bit, okay? And that's what's happening. The church is being leavened. We have to preach the pure gospel of Jesus Christ, amen? We have to line up and say, Lord, if, it takes, if they take my life because I stand for the truth and say, no, I'm not going to take the mark of the beast. No, I'm not going to, you know... Uh, And if you get persecuted in the church because you aren't part of the seven mountain mandate, because by the way, they state, one of these top authors states that those who resist this whole seven mountain mandate, they're the Antichrist. See how everything gets flipped? The script gets flipped. That's where this is headed. And and Jesus said, they'll persecute you and kill you thinking they're doing service to God. John 16, the first few verses there. Yeah. And the Antichrist will declare him sitting in the temple. Oh, look, he's very religious and claiming to be God. It's all a huge deception that's coming up, amen? And a lot of things are happening at the same time, okay? So I want to encourage you guys to keep your eyes peeled and look at the big picture. And when we look at the big picture briefly, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time, I'm going to spend some time in the big picture, but I'm going to spend uh, other time looking specifically at what's going on as far as in the world with regard to Russia and so forth, but that's part of the big picture in a way. Uh, but it's interesting, because in the book of Revelation, sometimes people say, "Well, you know, uh, the church really isn't mentioned in the book of Revelation." Well, it's not mentioned, you know, in chapters six through nineteen, you know, until after the tribulation's over. The church is never mentioned. Really, it isn't, huh? I say it's funny that book is addressed in 1 John, in Revelation. And I'm just going to be quoting a lot of scriptures, referencing a lot of them, you can check them out. Otherwise, we won't get beyond the big picture into some of the stuff that's going on right now that fits into the big picture, perhaps in one way or another. But in Revelation 1:4, you see that this book, the book Revelation, is addressed to the churches. The seven churches in Asia Minor. Okay? And then when you see the rejoinder at the end of just pretty much every church, he that has an ear. Let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So it's not just for the seven churches, it's for who? All Christians, amen. Bless is he that reads and hears the words of his prophecies and keeps those things that are written therein, Revelation 1.3. At the end of the book of Revelation, Jesus says, these are things that I've testified to the churches. So some uh, dispensationalists, pre-trib hyper-dispensationalists will say, well, book of Revelation, when you're reading that, you're reading somebody else's mail, uh, no, it was addressed to us. No, it's just, it's just for the Jews, really. No, it's addressed to us. Well, where's the church mentioned in Revelation? And I say, well, where is the second coming? Where is the coming of Christ mentioned in Revelation? It's always at the end. Even when it's first brought up in Revelation 1 7. Behold, he comes with the cloud. Behold, he's telling us the church. It's addressed to you. Behold, he comes not in a secret rapture seven years before the second coming. That's what it says says behold he comes with the clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him and all kids of the shall wail because of him even so amen that's the second coming folks that's what we're focused on the church is supposed to be focused on that's the blessed hope and then as you go through the tribulation period you have 144,000 sealed from all 12 tribes of Israel the, the, Israel's definitely mentioned that's I have no that's Israel I believe personally They're sealed before these trumpet judgments take place because it's going to be devastating. But guess who doesn't have to be sealed because they're already sealed? The church. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, amen? We have been cleansed if you're a believer and you're cleansed by the blood of Jesus, amen? Remember the 10th plague? Put the Passover blood up for the Passover lambs in the form of a cross, right? And then the death angel won't bring wrath upon you? Well, guess what? Jesus is called the Lamb in Revelation more than all the other books of the Bible put together in the book of Revelation. And guess who comes out of the great tribulation? Not just Israel, the remnant of Israel. But guess what? Revelation chapter 7, 9 through 14. Let's go there. Revelation chapter 7, 9 through 14. It's, It's such a beautiful passage. In fact, if you were trying to describe what the church, what the Christian church is to a non-believer, well, what's the Christian church? Well, the Greek word you could say means ecclesia. You know, it's a, a called out group of people that have been sanctified by the Lord, that have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus from every nation people in tongue, we would say, right? That's the, that's the church. Those who belong to Christ, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. The church is called his bride more than once, right? Uh, we would say something like that. Well, look at Revelation chapter 7. Verse 9, after these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count. Woo, that would, this sounds, wow, no one could count. He can count the 12 tribes of Israel, right? And how many made up from each tribe were actually sealed so they didn't partake of the wrath. And that just happened, by the way, in verses 4, right? Through up to verse 8, they were sealed. But then he sees another group that doesn't suffer from God's wrath. And then I looked and behold, a great multitude, which no one can count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the lamb. So it's looking back now because now they're with the Lord. Oh, well, well, maybe they were raptured before the tribulation. Uh Uh-uh, not so fast. Keep reading. Okay. Clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands and they cry out with a loud voice, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and the, around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, <laughs> you know, blessing. And, they didn't say, you know, I don't want to add a book revelation. I'm just saying, you know, amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, these who are clothed in white robes, remember this great multitude from every nation, kindred, people and tongue, who are they? And where have they come from? I said to him, my Lord, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones who what? Come out of the great tribulation. To come out of something, you have to be what? In it, amen. But they come out of it. Many commentators mean these were the martyrs. Remember in Revelation chapter six, you, you have under the fifth seal, the crying of the martyrs that have already been killed saying how long did you avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth, right? Well, guess what? It's showing the, the, the me- that measure being filled up from all over the world. These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, ek, out of, and they have what? Washed their robes and made them white in what? The blood of the lamb. Now if I said to you guys, hmm, who am I describing here? Uh, There's a group of people and they're surrounded and they're all saying, who am I describing? See who can get it first. There's a group of people and they're sitting around talking about how they're taking these different steps, a dozen of them, to overcome alcohol and they're putting their faith in a higher power and it could be a dot on the ceiling even, but they feel like they make, they're gonna get victory over alcohol. And Who am I talking about? Alcoholics Anonymous, okay, great, good job. Okay, uh, you got guys, little you know, young men up in the wilderness learning how to build campfire, right? And they're being persecuted to be by the press and stuff, because. Of their stance. This is going back a few years because I don't think it's an issue now with them because I think they've caved in, and they're learning how to build campfires and these young guys, and they're learning how to build ropes. And you know, who am I talking about? Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts. Okay. Now I'm talking about another group. Uh, it's they're in every nation. Uh, they they've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Uh, you know, they put their faith in Christ. Who am I talking about? The church. Hey Amen. It's so obvious. Yeah, the church is in Revelation. It's very, very clear over and over again. In fact, the church, it says the Antichrist overcomes the saints. Over, you know, like Revelation 13. Well, who's the saints in Revelation? Well, when we reign with Christ for a thousand years, it says and, and the Antichrist or Satan is let loose for a short time after that thousand years, he comes against the saints. That's us reigning with Christ. Oh, But right before Jesus comes back, right before he returns, in Revelation chapter 19, don't tell me the church isn't in the book of Revelation, it's there over and over again. Why do you think over and over again, Revelation chapter 12 at the end, Revelation chapter 13 verse 10, Revelation chapter 14 verse 12 and 13, why do you think that believers are warned to hold their faith in Jesus? Amen? Who's putting their faith in Jesus and trusting him other than the church? Well, then you go to Revelation 19, right before Christ's second coming, and what do you read? Pick it up at verse seven. This is after the destruction of Babylon at the end of the tribulation period. It let us rejoice and be glad, and give thanks and glory to Him for the marriage of the, the marriage, the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His what? His bride has made herself ready. And you know what she just said to His people. In Revelation chapter 18, verse before that, look go to 18, four and five. Because she's not ready right before this. Revelation 18:4. I heard another voice come out of heaven saying, Come out of her, my what? My people, so that ye will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues, because he's going to destroy Babylon. So his people are given one last chance, and now she's ready. Verse verse uh, seven at the end there. And his bride has made herself ready. Who's the bride? The church, amen? Look at verse eight. And it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen. This is being announced right before Christ's second coming. And that's when we're gonna be changed, amen? That's when we're gonna get our fine linen, okay? Resurrected bodies and so forth. And it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Oh, wait, the fine linen is the righteous acts of the who? Saints. So the bride is the saints. Do you see that? So Revelation 13, five through seven, Antichrist persecutes the? Saints, it says. Amen? It's pretty clear. Then he said to me, verse 9, right blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are are true words of God. Then I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, do not do that. I'm a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. Verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, And he who sat on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire. And it goes on. It's describing Christ what? The classic text on Christ what? Second coming. What does he do? Look at verse 20. And the beast was seized. That's the Antichrist. And with him, the false prophet who performed signs in the presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. So he comes to judge the Antichrist's kingdom. By the way, was the church reigning on earth right now at this point? No, the church was finally made ready for his coming, amen? And actually, she's told to come out of Babylon before he just destroys Babylon, amen? Amen because Babylon's ruling, and whoever's on top of those seven mountains, they're the enemy of the church. Amen? So when you have leading seven mountain mandate people saying, yeah, we're going to rule Babylon before Christ comes back. Ooh, you are siding with the Antichrist, man. God has not called us to take over the world for Jesus. He's called us to win souls. Amen? Amen. And your allegiance is not to the Lord Jesus Christ if you push his word aside and set your own agenda because you want political power. Amen? So it's interesting, after it mentions the bride has been made ready, amen, and God uses tribulation to purify us, amen, we're purified from our sins by the blood of Jesus, amen, but you've read Romans 5, you've read James chapter 1, verses, the first few verses, that God uses trial and tribulation, right, to perfect our characters, to make us more like Jesus, amen, and wow, this bride's going to look more like her, the one she's going to marry than ever before at the end of the tribulation period, Amen. He'll refine us as silver is refined and as gold is refined. It's, good. it's beautiful. By the way, what are we seeing right here? We're seeing the church is there all the way up to the end of the tribulation. Then we have Christ coming and set up his kingdom at the end of the tribulation. Now, just flip the page. What happens is a consequence of his second coming. Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from the he- heaven, holding the key of the abyss, And a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a what? Thousand years. When is Satan bound? Before? When does the thousand years start? Before or after Christ's second coming? It's so clear. The thousand years only mentioned six times by... Thousand, you know, the word for the millennium, right, that we use the English millennium. But the thousand years, it mentions six times. It's all right here in Revelation 20, in the first six verses. So how could you say, oh, no, the millennium comes. That thousand years, we're going to roll. Then Christ can come back after we've conquered the world. That's the opposite of what the Bible says. Verse three, and he, I love it, it's an angel that throws Satan into the abyss to be chained not even Jesus that shows you how While well, Jesus and Satan man they're like equal powers that's so ridiculous man he's like hey angel you know go and just bind him that's pretty cool huh you know and then he threw him into the abyss not that we're any match for Satan we need Jesus power amen but greater is he that's in us and he that's in the world If God's for us we could be against us verse four then I saw thrones I'm sorry I gotta read the rest of verse three and he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him and that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short time. Then I saw thrones, and they that sat on them. And judgment was given to them. See, guess what? The Bible says, if we suffer with him, we will reign with him. Paul wrote that in Second Timothy chapter 2. All those who live godly in Christ Jesus, Second Timothy chapter 3, will suffer persecution. So all genuine believers will suffer one way or another whether it's the onslaught of demonic entities that are trying to dissuade you from following Jesus or the people that they use and animate, the people of this world, which is, you know, if you don't get persecuted by people around you, you gotta shine the light brighter, amen? I mean, you need to share the gospel a little bit more, amen? But we're gonna reign with Christ. So the first, first what we see is believers reigning with him in general. And the next part goes saying, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because their testimony, the testimony of Jesus, and because the word of God. Remember the souls under the altar? That's, that's exactly how it describes them who had been saying, how long did you avenge our blood and who dwell, those who dwell on the earth? They're resurrected, right? And those who had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received the mark. So I believe it's mentioning three, the generally all believers, and it specifies because he, what God wants to highlight those believers that died for the faith and then those believers that received, used to take the mark of the beast and also died. And uh, they not received the mark on their forehead or on their hand. And they came what? They came what? They came to life right? And reigned with Christ for what? A thousand years. This is right after Revelation 19. The bride's made ready. Jesus comes for her, but he also comes to enact judgment, execute the beast and the antichrist, right? Throws them in the lake of fire. And then he sets up his kingdom here. He reigns for a thousand years and the believers came to life. That's resurrection, right? Revelation chapter 20, verse 5, the next verse. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Okay, he's saying the rest of the dead, they're not coming to life. They'll be resurrected and sent to the lake of fire. But that's not what this is. This is, he says, the first resurrection he's talking about. Amen? You don't want to be part of the second resurrection. You want to catch the first resurrection at a second coming, Amen? Verse six, blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Amen? Amen? Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Wow. By the way, the dead in Christ will rise first when Jesus comes back, right? And then we who are alive will be caught up to meet him in the air, Whoever is alive at his second coming. And what's that called? What resurrection is that called? the first resurrection, by the way, if there was a pre-trib rapture seven years before this first resurrection, this would be the second resurrection. Amen. You see, there's no pre-trib rapture. That's when you go to Revelation, the beginning, you won't see a rapture of the church before. You, I just say to pre-trib, show me the rapture before the, we had offered $10,000 for years. Anybody can just show just even one verse that shows a rapture before the tribulation. You can you can see right before he starts getting into the tribulation, he's saying, behold, he comes with the clouds that every eye will see him, not a secret rapture. They also which pierced him, all the kings of the earth shall will cause him. Why? Why are they willing? Because, because he's judging them, right? And even those who pierced him. So uh, what are we seeing here, guys? We're seeing that there is a literal tribulation period coming up, okay? And in the book of Revelation, it describes it as 1,260 days, right? A time and then times, which is one and then two. Two plus one is three and a half a time. That's three and a half years right? Gives the amount of days. 42 months refers to 42 months. That's also three and a half years. That's the great tribulation period that's coming. And the church will go through that. And if you don't know that you're going through it, and you're being taught, you're not going to go through it. I love you. I praise God for you. But look at what the scriptures say. Look at what the early church taught. Understand that's a new teaching and it sounds good and it took off and people believe it hook, line, and singer because it just sounds so good. Just like it sounds so good that we're going to rule the world, church. Yeah, right. No, you're not. Not until Christ comes back. You better be part of the true church. and not there following these false prophets who are saying that we're going to rule the world on these seven mountains in Babylon. And we're going to rule it before Christ comes. Ooh, man, you're being set up. People are being set up right now for the fall. There will be all kinds of people. Jesus said to the Jews, he said, I come in my father's name and you receive me not. But if another one comes in his own name, you're going to receive him. And those who refuse to love the truth, the Bible says, we be given over a strong delusion that they may believe the lie. You have to love truth. You have to love God's word. Don't look for what sounds good. Too many people in the American church love the things that sound good. That's why the most popular version of the gospel here in America is the health and wealth gospel. Oh, God wants you to be rich and healthy and a king's kid and it's all about, wow, just speak things into existence and it's like magic and whoa. And there are a lot of these leaders that in this movement say you can even command God. They say that you can command him to do things. This is so obnoxious and so wicked. And from America, this has spread to Africa. Most of the pastors, if not, I'm sorry, Latin America. I was just talking to you, Jason Kovar who, with his lovely wife and beautiful. Oh, God, they have such three beautiful children and Anita and so forth. And he was saying, yeah, it's sad. The state of the church is strong. In some places in Brazil, there's God-free people who love Jesus. But most of it, it's a lot of it, anyway, is it's word faith, prosperity teachers. And that's been exported from this country. Welcome to Babylon, you know. We export all kinds of things. And anyway, uh, horrible things. Uh, these things tickle the ears. And Paul warned that people would tickle ears telling people what they want to hear in the last days. That's why people don't want to hear repentance. They don't want to hear messages about hell. They don't want to hear about how sinful we are and doomed without Jesus. They don't want to hear about there's coming persecution and even the great tribulation. They don't want to hear these things. Oh, well, yeah, prophecies. A lot of people want to hear about the Antichrist. Yeah, the, it's popular among those who think that they're going to be caught up ha, and watch it from heaven as the Jews get slaughtered and have a great big party called the wedding supper Lamb in heaven. By the way, that party doesn't happen until after Christ comes, not during the tribulation period. The church, the bride isn't partying at this time. She's being called out of Babylon, and she's prepared and made herself ready by the end of the tribulation. So what are we seeing, guys, with regard to the big picture? We're seeing That just like Jesus said, in the world, you know, you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And we're seeing that there's going to be great tribulation. And after the great tribulation, what happens? Christ, second coming. And who does he come for? His church, his bride. Is his bride mentioned in Revelation before his second coming? Yes or no? During the tribulation period, yes or no? Yes, don't let anybody ever tell you, oh, the church is never mentioned in the book of Revelation or during the tribulation period. That's such a lie. Not that the person is trying to lie to you. These people are often sincerely deceived. A lot of our brothers and sisters, they just don't understand, okay? And you have to, you have to uh, look at many of them as our brothers and sisters who are around the dinner table thinking dad's gonna come up this time instead of that time. And, and that there's severe consequences to them misunderstanding that. And because, they, you know, because we look at the bigger picture. I could go into a thick analogy for that, but I wanna get to other things. But so Christ comes, Now, does Christ come before or after the tribulation? After. Does he come before or after the millennium, the thousand-year reign? Before. Hence, the Bible teaches that his coming is post-trib, after the tribulation, pre-what? Pre-millennial. Does it matter how you understand these things? Absolutely. Because you're pre-trib and you're taught that Jesus, I mean, one top pre-trib teacher Okay, a leading pre-trip teacher was at a Jan Markell prophecy conference. He's one of the top pre-trip teachers. She she has the biggest prophecy conferences in the nation. Okay, I used to get interviewed on her program before I came up with my post-trip video. Then I just got cut off. And I was told by email, Tim, hey, would never say if the rapture doesn't happen before the tribulation, it's not the blessed hope, but it's the blasted hope. We sent her evidence, hey, this book, this page. And then guess what she's now saying? If you're not a pre-trib, it's the blasted hope. Now she's even repeating the things she said Tim LaHaye would never say. But at her prophecy conference, one of the leaders puts a picture of Farrah Fawcett up there when she played a battered wife. And she's all bruised as the actress. Looks like she's been beat up. And he says, Jesus would never let his bride. He'd never beat up his bride. He'd never beat up his bride and let the church go through the tribulation. Guess what? Thunderous applause. Ah, we're all getting out of it. It's like, you just stacked the deck and gave an unbiblical proposition. We don't say that Jesus is going to beat up his bride. Amen? By the way, what happened to the apostles? Most of them. Did Jesus beat them up? No. Wrath is from Jesus to the unbelieving world. We've been saved and spared from the wrath to come. Amen? But we're appointed to tribulation and trials, just like the early church. Amen? And he comes to vindicate his holy word, his justice, and his bride, and avenge their blood on those who dwell on the earth to save her out of the tribulation period and catch up those who are alive at the end, his bride. And those who have died first that are part of his bride, they actually get, if you die before this comes, the dead in Christ will rise first. You'll, be, you'll, you'll beat those who are alive in the resurrection. Then those who are alive and remain, the Greek word can be translated survive, actually. Those who are alive and survive or remain, the remnant we'll be caught up to meet him in the air. That's the rapture. So now that we understand the big picture, and I hesitate to do this because it may be more than who knows, but it's important to talk about this stuff right now because things are getting crazy. But before I go on, but you're going to have to do it really quickly. You can only do this if you make your question in like 10 seconds or so. Ah, if you go to 15, I'm a really merciful guy. It's Okay, but questions around the big picture, quickly, anybody, please, something that's sticking in your head, what about this scripture, not that I, you know, believe that side or whatever, please, or maybe we'll allow that $10,000 to be back on the table just for this service, <laughs> yeah, we'll do that, hey, Steve, John, Nick, you guys that cool with that? Okay, yeah, you guys have a lot of faith in what the scriptures say on this issue, so, it's double, or nothing. double or nothing, oh yeah, double or nothing, I like that, Mark, double or nothing, no, no, I'm kidding, uh, <laughs> Uh, but any questions about any of what we've talked about so far, please don't hesitate, because it would really make the, 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 this time together more interesting. We've got a pretty packed house today. It'd be cool. Yeah, Tom. Yeah, no, it's a great question. Uh, Tom asked, you know... Uh, the, the thousand-year reign starts at Christ's second coming, but for those who believe it's like post-mill, and Tom, we'll even add ah-mill in there too, right? Because, we'll then, because that did actually start, you know, uh, uh, after the early church was, pre, was, pre, was, pre, was pre-millennial, Christ's coming back before the thousand years. First you had, after the early church, you know, Papias and uh, Irenaeus and, and, and Justin Martyr and Hippolytus and these early church fathers talking about a thousand-year reign and, and describing it. Tom's saying, well, what about those who believe the end times and the, the mark of the beast, many, many people do, uh, happened in 70 AD, you know? And how does that fit, their millennial positions fit as far as when the millennium actually started, right? Okay, that's, that is a, a great, great question. That's a big picture question. And I'm glad it wasn't a pre-trib question because I'm so tired of dealing with that subject, but I need to deal with it. I haven't done for some time because that's still a big issue. But uh, this is a great question. So in uh, our, our preterist friends, and many of them are brothers, because many preterists, a preterist is from a Latin word that means past, and they believe that the book of Revelation, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, the book of Daniel, the prophecies in that regard to the new heaven, the new earth, right? Where, you know, the lion and the, and, the, and the lamb and the wolf, and they all lie down together and so forth, and then the actual new heaven and new earth, not just the millennial stuff, the new heaven and new earth, that we're in it right now, where there'll be no more tears, cry, then you know that that's the wrong view, okay, see someone crying, I was debating someone on that issue of family, Lisa and I were, just loving them at dinner at their house, and they, I gotta answer this question first, Jacob, I'm sorry, then we'll get to another question, because I haven't, yeah, let me know, bro, okay, good, 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 good. praise God, don't let me forget, okay, uh, let's say a closing prayer, no, I'm just kidding, bro, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I gotta get through this question, And because it's, it's a very, very good question. So a lot of them say it's all happened full preterist, which is probably the most popular form of preterism that we already have had our resurrection too. It's all happened. Yeah. And that we've been resurrected and the mark of the beast has passed that happened in 70 AD or so. Or when God, when, when Israel was destroyed by the Romans, you know, that was the end. There's a lot of problems with this, and then let's first answer that, and then we'll get juxtaposed, we'll get to the rest of the question as far as the millennial views and how they fit, Uh, because post-millennial view didn't even show up for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Amil came in, you know, like earlier, after a few centuries of church history, especially with the Roman Catholic Church and Augustine. But understand this, preterists say that the resurrection has already come to pass, and guess what Paul warned about in Second Th- Timothy chapter two. I'll actually, go there because we'll actually read this. Second Timothy uh, chapter two. He's dealing with a, some heretics in this church, and he talks about you know enduring things, enduring hard, going through tribulation and stuff, in verses eleven through thirteen. Enduring hard times, I should say. Uh, and then he warns in to, you know, studies show themselves approved and so forth. And then he warns in verse 16, but avoid worldly and empty chatter for it will lead to further ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene, like a disease. Among them are who? Hymenaeus, hymenaeus in Greek, hymenaeus and philetus. Men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that what? The resurrection has already taken place and they what? Upset the faith of some. And Paul wrote 1st and 2nd Timothy encouraging Timothy to make sure he doesn't allow false doctrines to spread throughout the church. And I believe the Lord gives us these kinds of warnings to let us know what's going to be bigger often because this shows how the enemy is already trying to use false doctrines in the church. Just like the lies that were used in Genesis chapter 3 by the serpent, you shall be as God, all new age lies today. I mean... Popular lies, uh, t- tapping the tree of knowledge of good and evil, gnosis, secret gnosis. You don't really die, you won't die. Reincarnation, it's all part of the New Age movement today, all these same lies, right? Uh, well, they were teaching the resurrection resurrection's already come to pass, and they were upsetting the faith of some. Because what's our hope? Our hope is the Lord's return, right? And being resurrected. The older I get, the more I want to be resurrected later. You know? I was just sprinting with Brother Jason up five wind sprints. <laughs> And I'm like, and he's ahead of me, pulling away. And I'm like, whoosh, uphill. we walk down, spring up again. And I love to do interval running, you know, interval training. And I'm like behind him. And Jason had just introduced me to his girls the day before that. This is the fastest runner you've ever seen in your life. Not that I'm the fastest runner you've ever seen in my life. But for a big guy, I was, was, was exceptionally fast. Guess what? <laughs> Trying to keep up with Jason. He's pretty athletic, but I'm like, I'm like, and I'm like, Lord, it's so sad. I used to be so quick, <laughs> you know, for a white guy anyway. Okay. You know, <laughs> and I'm like, man, I can't wait till I get resurrected. I just have these thoughts a few days back, you know, anyway, uh, it's pretty funny. So I can't wait. I, th- if the resurrection, I can't pass me. Oh, I'm going to just get slower, right. And older. And, but I'm like, praise God, Jesus is coming, amen. Number one, I get to be with him forever and ever, amen. Get to be r- resurrected in an eternal, imperishable, incorruptible body. Well, guess what the preterists, the full preterists say? Resurrection's already come to pass. Th- that's today. Oh, we've already got been resurrected. Really? Wow. This is the new heaven and the new earth right now. Really? That's pretty sad. I had a little bit more hope for what, the Lord would make the new heaven and new earth. In fact, a lot more, amen? So it's just a lie. And then there's partial preterists. Well, the Antichrist has already come and the book of Revelation is pretty much all fulfilled, but we still look forward to a second coming and the resurrection. And they're not usually considered full-blown heretics because at least they don't deny the resurrection. But they're still denying a lot of very important parts of scripture. They're jettisoning the roadmap. When the Lord said not to add or take away the book of Revelation, and they're taking a lot of it away still. That's still scary to me. The Lord sort that out. But that's wrong. So they say the end came in 70 AD. Really? The end came in 70 AD? The book of Revelation was fulfilled in 70 AD. The full preterist and partial preterist mostly fulfilled in 70 AD. Really? In 70 AD, the Romans came and Jesus said, your house would be left to you desolate to the Jews, right? Why would, they, why would their house be left to them desolate? Because they rejected the Messiah. In one moment they were saying, you know, blessed are you who come in the name of the Lord, Remember? What a lot of people call Palm Sunday. They're like, Blessed are you come in the name of the Lord. And then next minute they're, Crucify him, crucify him. And Jesus says, You will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, until you have a change of heart. Was Israel saying in is 70 AD, Blessed are you come in the name of the Lord? And did Jesus come back? That's a good coming, amen? You're going to see me when you're ready. They weren't ready, they were being judged in 70 AD, amen? As Jesus said, If he didn't return at that time, no flesh would be saved. Oh, really? That wasn't happening in 70 AD. All kinds of flesh, all kinds of, the Holocaust was way bigger than what happened in what precipitated 70 AD, amen? And it's just important to know this. The book of Revelation, by the way, this just destroys preterism, wasn't written before 70 AD. According to Irenaeus, who sat under Polycarp, who sat under the apostle John, who wrote it and discussed prophecies with the apostle John, it was written during the reign of who? And remember? I'm here to lot of you say it, Domitian. You guys know your, some of your church history. Domitian reigned in the 90s. Over 20 years later is when the book of Revelation was written. And guess what? The early church fathers, guess what? When they looked at the book of Revelation, Irenaeus, Hippolytus, Justin Martyr, and so forth, they didn't say, oh yeah, all this was already fulfilled in 70 AD. No, they talked about, they didn't talk about the Roman Empire. Like Irenaeus says, the end can't be right now because the Roman Empire has, is ruling right now. And it has to be a dissolution of the Roman Empire, because 10 nations are going to give their power to the beast, so it's talking about a future empire in the future. So even in the second century, they're looking for word to the book of Revelation being fulfilled. Are you with me? In the future, the church fathers. So this is very, very important. And Satan wants to you get your, your eye off of what the word of God says, "Don't do it, man. Stick to the word. Now, as far as the millennial views, great question, Tom because uh, and I know he wants us all to understand this, and I think we need to understand it, is the amillennial view really got popular. The early church is premillennial, post-trib. Justin Martyr, the Antichrist will put the church to flight. Amen? You have these church fathers saying the church is going to face this tribulation period in the Antichrist. Irenaeus saying perhaps the number of the beast, we could figure it out this way. They're looking who the beast could possibly be, even though he's saying it's going to be in the future, right? And he says that God has given us these prophecies so we know how to avoid him, the Antichrist. Yet guess what? When Augustine comes around and he's the primary leader, theological leader of the Roman Catholic Church in the fourth century, Constantine claimed that his mom, his mom claimed to be a Christian and he claimed to have a dream of a cross and this sign conquer, the name of the cross. And the Roman Catholic Church wedded itself with Rome, with uh, Christianity. And you got what we now call Roman Catholicism, which has all these really, really strange doctrines, right? Praying to saints, praying to Mary, right? All these strange things that aren't in the Bible. Because they joined with the paganism around them and became more and more apostate. Well, guess what? The Romans were ruling the world at the time. You read the book of Revelation, it's like, oh, that doesn't fit. The church ruling the world. Well, guess what? The underground church was the real church. Those who were being persecuted by the Roman Catholic church. But the Roman Catholic Church said we're supposed to conquer. Really? Physically. No kidding. No kidding. Augustine said those who uh, don't listen to our words, and he's the leader of the Roman Catholic Church, theologically speaking, we're supposed to use a sword against them. And he twisted Jesus' words. Jesus said to go to the highways and byways, right, and compel them to come in. He said, what Jesus means by this, he didn't know Greek, by the way, he goes, what Jesus really means by this is, compel them to come in with your words to the church, but then if they don't listen, use a sword on them. And so, guess what view started to prevail, and it's a view of the Roman Catholic Church to to this day, mostly, it's an amillennial view, and that is that the thousand-year reign has already begun, and... We are in it, in the, in, in the, the, the millennials I'm going to speak more generally. Amills say, well, the 1,000 years isn't literally a 1,000 years. That's how they get away from the 2,000 years you mentioned instead of one. No, it's not literal. It's just symbolic number, and we're in the millennium right now, right? And some A-mills at least still have an antichrist coming in the future. It's just their, their view of prophecy is jacked up because they have the millennium starting before Christ comes back. Post-millennialism got, really started to get traction in like the 1700s, years and years later. The idea that the church was going to take over the earth and Christ wasn't going to come back until the church took over the earth. And it started to pick up steam in the early 1900s. Then guess what happened? World War I. Oh, wait, the world's supposed to get better. What happened? Well, didn't lose all of its traction. Then World War II. Oh, that doesn't fit. How come the world's supposed to be getting better, not worse? Really? The Bible doesn't say it's going to get better. Paul said in the last days, terrible times will come and men will be lovers of self. Covetous, boasters, famous as sweet peers, unthankful. And wicked men will go from bad to worse. And that's what the Bible predicts. Jesus said lawlessness would increase, love many would grow cold, nation against nation, on and on and on. Book of Revelation, right? And so the post mill view began to die. Well, there hasn't been a world war for a while. Well, who knows how long, right? Crazy things going on right now. Uh, and now the post mill view start you know, Christians, oh, look, we're in politics. Look, you know? Look, Trump has a, a bunch of Christians counseling him. Yeah, um, or Post Mills, some of them. Seven Mountain Mandate people, right? Crazy, think about it. Uh, not just Trump, by the way, think about this. Russia, Vladimir Putin, trying to revive the or- Russian Orthodox Church. Trying to revive the uh, Russian Orthodox Church. That's really nice, Daniel, nice music over there. No, I know it's not Danny. I'm teasing him. <laughs> it wasn't him. I, otherwise, he'd be on his butt. No problem. That happens once in a while. That's good because it lets me look at the clock. It's good for a few seconds. Okay. Don't get, you know. Anyway, uh, think about this. So, the post mill view is that we're going we're to usher in the kingdom of God, we're going to rule the world, we're going to legislate morality, we're going to rule the seven mountains. And that's become very, very popular again. And why wouldn't it? Health and wealth gospel. Right, because it just sounds good, and people aren't reading the scriptures; they're hearing prophecies from people and strange interpretations. So that's how the post mill view has kind of there's a resurgence of it, and that didn't come to way later. You know, it got beginning to popular in the 1700s, and you don't even see the post mill view in the early church period as a competing view. You see the uh, pre mill view predominantly, then eventually then you see the ah or the a mill view, not a literal thousand years. Then the post mill view: we're going to set up the kingdom. Uh, then Christ can come. So that's a, a really, really good question. Does that make sense? Okay. Brother Jacob. I had a question about. In 10, 15 seconds though. Only because they can't hear you. And we've got a lot of people on live stream. 2 the Thessalonians uh-huh. talks about the temple of God and it's that he talking about in the temple. Yeah. The temple is actually the church. Yeah. The the church. Yeah. What does that look like for us? Which means we be for the third physical temple? Yeah. the body of Christ. Yeah. Uh, the body of Christ is the temple of the, of the living God, but also historically, when you look at the prophetic scriptures, and this is just gonna be my viewpoint. Uh, uh, in fact, you know what? I did a whole, and I don't put PowerPoint presentations together very often myself. In fact, I put a big one together with a lot of scriptures that deal with the abomination of desolation. So when you look historically at what happened with the temple and the prophecies that Jesus is going off of in the book of Daniel regarding the temple, uh, is when you go to the book of Daniel, and it talks about the Antichrist will put a stop to the, uh, the two sacrifices that go on, right? The daily sacrifices. And the daily sacrifices, which this, is, this would be a great message. I've actually worked on a separate message. where you look at the daily sacrifices, one starts right when Christ was put on the cross. The other one takes place right when Christ was taken off the cross. When you look at the times they happened in Israel. The Antichrist will put a stop. To, they were pictures of Christ, He'll put a stop to those sacrifices in the temple, and he'll show that he himself is God. So I take it more literally because when Jesus is speaking about that, and he talks about the abomination that standing in the holy place, the Jews still regarded that, even though they could call themselves priests, you know, and part of a spiritual temple. They still recognized that there was also a physical temple. So when you look at the book of Daniel, and it talks about the holy place being desecrated over and over again, how would they have understood that Daniel's readers over and over again, especially when the the daily sacrifices are stopped. And then when you see those prophecies in several chapters where it talks about what would happen, I believe it's talking definitely there about our literal temple. And then when it talks about how he sits in the temple of God, or I'm sorry, then when it talks, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, to his apostles, to the apostles of the early church, he warns about this coming tribulation, Antichrist. Uh, When you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, Right? Let those who in Jerusalem, so it has to do with the temple that's in Jerusalem, flee uh, to the mountains. And he says, the, pro- uh, the th- abomination of desolation stand in the holy place, as spoken of by the prophet Daniel, which traces us back to a literal, physical uh, temple. And uh, then Paul, in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and especially chapter 1 and 2, um, and then First Thessalonians, he talks about how the Lord's coming like a thief in the night, He talks about Jesus' prophecies in Matthew 24, where he talked about the abomination, desolation of the temple. So, when Paul says, when, uh, uh, you know, that day, meaning Christ won't come to rapture us until what happens first, two things. The falling away happens first, and and the uh, man of sin sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, abominating the temple. And then in Revelation chapter 11, John's told not to measure, measure the outside court of the temple as though it's still in play, because it's been given over to the Gentiles to trample. Underfoot, So it seems like, I'm sorry, can I see that sign again, bro? i like them to give me signs. Five, these aren't biblical signs, but they're signs for me, for you. So communion happens on time. Uh, so I believe that's a literal temple. Although I also believe uh, that we need to be careful and we need to be prayerful. What we put in God's temple, amen? And that's why I've warned you before, even in prayerful, and everyone needs to be persuaded in their own minds. But when you look at, for instance, the... Uh, uh, the last, you know, like some of of these uh, vaccines coming out, right? I don't want vaccines that have any kind of baby parts in them, amen, in my body, amen? And there's debate as to whether that that vaccine didn't or didn't, but everybody needs to research it because everybody's going to have their own view on that. But I, myself, uh, I've told you before, I wasn't vaccinated for different reasons, but there's a lot of things to keep in mind. Uh, where all this could end up, uh, but I, what I'm really, but one of the big questions we kept getting is the vaccination, the mark of the beast, and we said, well, there'll be an angel flying in the mid heavens, warning the church, and the people on the earth not to take it, right, and that's, and then that'll be after the seals have already been opened and the trumpets are blowing, right, Revelation chapter 14. But I've also warned you that this could be definitely a precursor to what's coming. I'm not sure. We'll have to see what happens because I remember why 2 k is the end. I said, I'm not going to say that because I'm not going to have egg in my face in the end. And all of a sudden now we long, Chuck Miss or others were saying, Why 2 k is the end. I'm like, I don't see that. You know, in prophecy, I've got to see if this all fits together because you have all these other prophecies. But guess what? I've told you before, Bill Gates working with uh, it was at MIT and working with Rice University to make this, you know, this dot, make this thing something that you read. Okay, so you can find out when you've been, who's been vaxxed last, who's been doing what. And we've already known that, hey, guess what? How, did some of you have a hard time? Go to LA and try to eat at a restaurant if you haven't been vaccinated, okay? We've been through that, okay? So you will let you in this time, but not next time. Oh, okay, well, I won't come next time then. But, uh, but at the same time, I don't go as far as people, some people are saying, you have the mark of the beast and you're condemned if you've taken the jab. You're not a Christian. Uh, I don't. It's not the mark of the beast yet, dude. So uh, quit damning people and you're gonna stand before God and give an account before God if you're condemning everybody who's been vaccinated, however, and then making them feel that they're damned. If, remember, God got upset with Moses because he was angry at the people, judging them beyond what God was. That's serious too, but at the same time, we don't wanna stick our heads in the sand and say, oh, this is nothing. So I've t- tried to take a very, very intelligent, wise approach, not that my approach is test them by saying you guys need to keep your eye on this thing, amen. And there's already some concerns about it and so forth. So I think it's important because we also are the temple of God, amen? And you weren't supposed to let anything unclean in the temple in the Old Testament, amen? Pray about it, seek the Lord about it. If you've, if you've taken the jab, am I saying you're condemned? Don't go home and say, Joe said that I'm condemned. I'm saying, no. Are you trusting Jesus? Are you following him? Right? But what if the government told you that you can't buy or sell anymore unless you take this vaccination? And it happens to have the number of the name of the Antichrist on it, 666. Would you take it? If you would take it, you'd be damned. If you're saying, yeah, I would to buy or sell, well, then you're already far from Jesus. You need to get right with God, amen? So it's, good. it's worth looking at, okay, looking at different views. Uh, it's 11-11. I've got like, wait, wait a minute, man. We started at 930, right? We had 15 minutes early, which is four minutes from now. If I take another question, I ch- run the chance of going over by a few minutes because we still have communion but you know me. One more and I'll try to answer it quickly. (laughs) One question, one more question. Greg, 15 seconds max. Okay, next. No, just keep going. (laughs) America is Babylon. Yeah, okay, that's in our next message. You know? that's part of it we're going to get into russia we need a gog we are get a magog we'll be touching about some of that actually in our podcast coming up to you and, and and so forth but i'm going to get into that as well because the beast system and the harlot are opposed to each other but they work together they're two and it's kind of interesting what's going on right now huh you got some oppositions you got a new world order group and you got a you know john and that's only because his was postponed till next time Yeah, so you have to have John. Isn't there precursors to the whole Antichrist system, meaning a one-world government? Well, we would say the one-world government is actually uh, brought about by the Antichrist and that one-world concurrency is brought about by the Antichrist. Although, it's interesting, you have 10 nations, right? That'll give their power to the beast. But it seems when you bring Daniel, he subjects three horns to himself, three nations. And then, so he comes out of this group and he's a little horn that grows. So you have some kind of confederacy among nations. You may not know who he is until he comes out or you'll be able to say, hey, this is the number of the man. This looks like him. Then he comes out and then those 10 nations give him power. So it's a 10 nation confederacy. It doesn't have to be all the nations. Then all the nations serve him because they say who can make war with him? They're scared of him. They're not all worshiping. He's the most beautiful man. A lot of them are like, we got to serve him, you know, and we're going to take his mark because we can't buy ourselves if we don't. So a lot of people come into that one world system because of pressure, but they worship him or serve him because who can make war with him? It's out of fear and terror. And then there's also a sense of admiration because the false prophet's doing miracles, getting people to worship him. So there's also that element as well. But so we're not right at the door where this, but at the same time, woo, things are changing quick. Okay. And be prayerful. Be prayerful for those in Ukraine. Uh, you know, uh, there's like, you know, guys, I've, you know, anybody remember the Klitschko's? They were heavyweight champions years ago. Yeah, I, I grew up as a little kid. My dad would listen to boxing on the radio when he couldn't get on TV. And uh, uh, they were both heavyweight champions. They ruled the heavyweight division for years, over 10 years, you know. And then uh, uh, you have uh, Lomachenko, uh, first guy to win three different weight classes, like that fastest ever. Two-time Olympian gold medalist, Ukrainian. Both all those guys are like going to fight to the death. And then who's the other guy? Usyk. He just won the heavyweight champion over Anthony Joshua, who was the heavyweight champion of the world. Him and Fury. He beat him. He's a cruiserweight or light a light heavyweight. Cruiserweight goes up to heavyweight. Smaller guy beats Joshua. He's the heavyweight champion right now. Guess what? He went back to Ukraine. He was in England. I'm going to fight for my people. All those guys could be dead in days, and those are guys that just represent a ton of other Ukrainians you've never seen, don't know their faces, so I put faces, I'm like, wow, I remember those guys, you know, a couple of those guys, I don't know where they're at spiritually, but Usyk uh, and Yolomachenko, they'll put a cross on after they win, and sometimes they'll thank the Lord and stuff, and it's like, these guys are saying, no, we're not running, they got the money, they're saying, no, we're going to fight to the death if we have to, Whew. and I don't know what they're going to do, I'm just saying that's what they're saying right now, and I know they're in Russia, so key or Ukraine trying to fight for their lives, okay, and this is what I'm going to ask you. We're not called to fight physically. If we're, our country's invaded, amen. My home's invaded, yeah. I, I believe I have a mandate to stand up for my family, amen. But I don't spread the gospel through the sword, amen. And if they're going to fight to the death for a physical life, how much more should we be ready to give our lives for a spiritual life, amen? Jesus said, don't fear man who can destroy the body, but fear God who can destroy body and soul in hell, amen. So we need to fear the Lord, we need to love him, we need to recognize that he's on the throne. And the study I had prepared, guess what I have, guys? I have big picture written up here. Then I have Revelation 13, one through seven, which I never got to get to in the whole message. So, but at least we got the big picture down to a degree, amen? And I want to encourage you guys, uh, let's continue to trust Jesus. These guys are going to speedily hand out the communion, so I'm only five minutes late today. Thank you, guys. Can we all please stand? Praise God. Give him glory. Amen.